Well, good to see you here this morning. Welcome online. It's great you can join us. I want to honor Beth Howarth. She can't be here, but she's the matriarch of the church. And Beth, please honor you. I know you can't be here, but honor you. Uh, Judith Metkintosh, some of those people who've been here for a long, long time, but physically they can't come here anymore or they're caring for somebody else. So God bless you. It's a sacrifice to be online, but at least we can be online. So like Catherine said, thank you for all the, the team here, technical team, who make it all happen. Thank you upstairs, you guys, often the unseen people upstairs, and they go to the world. People come here, they look at our stuff and say, how on earth as a reasonable small church? Well, no, we've got 500 people, but reasonable church, how can you have such high quality? That's only the top churches can do that kind of stuff. It's because our team is absolutely awesome on the the leadership of our son, Jonathan. So come on, let's give it up for these people. It's so good. Wow, so Morena and good morning. And um, wow, newcomers after this. Let's get to say something about newcomers. If you're new to the church, make sure we have lunch. There is a free lunch. It's called the Harmony at 12.30. Come if you want to know more about this church or you're new in this place. You want to make this place your home. Now, we had amazing time, grace, and glory. What an amazing conference this was. And I want to briefly say something about this because then I'm going to continue uh, because we're going a new series starting today. Come on, amazing grace. What's so amazing about God's grace? We're going to continue from the Grace and Glory Conference. It's so amazing. But quickly, I want to say something about this thing. Last week, uh, Chad did so well in, uh, in everything he does, in every, every, every preach. But one of the ones he did, which changed my life too, is the understanding of covenants. And I love it. I just want to add something to it. So he talked about the three major covenants in the Bible, the seven, but the three are the major ones. And they're basically attached to three people. One is Abraham, one is Moses, and one is Jesus. These are the main three covenants in the Bible. And he talked about that in Abraham, this covenant is a grace covenant. It's not about performance, what you do, your behavior, good or bad, nothing to do with it. The only thing is what kind of pedigree you're from, where you're from, what kind of uh, family you're from. In that sense, you'll be blessed, you'll be saved, it's all good. The second one, of course, which God never wants to have, but this, that, that's a performance covenant. It's a conditional covenant. It's a covenant between God and the people. So as long as the people behave and do what God says, they're blessed. If they don't, they get cursed. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. That's what happens in this one, not a good one. And this one again, then Jesus comes to the scene. And here we have another grace covenant. Abraham was grace. This one wasn't. But this one is grace again. And now this new covenant, based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, is a grace covenant. It's all about the performance of Jesus Christ on our behalf. It is a positional pedigree, performance, position in Christ. Now, two things I want to add to it. That one of the things you have to understand, because we do a lot of theology, even today I'll do a lot of theology, right? So stay with me. And so what's happening here is that um, you have to understand that all the three covenants are with, um, not with New Zealanders. Yeah, but I thought the new covenant is with me, New Zealanders. No, it's nothing to do with you, New Zealanders. All the covenants, all three of them, all seven of them are with the, the Jews. What a bad rep they're getting around the world right now unbelievable but it's all with the israel people oh only us gentiles figure out here somewhere here when this new covenant was started somehow it gets going and somewhere in there romans 11 you can teach and learn about it is the whole thing here we get grafted into israel so don't get a big head don't think you're it you're actually not we are it's now by grace grafted into the root the root is Israel. 
Just want to say that. The other thing I want you to see is that the covenant here was with the Father and the Son. You can read about it in, in Genesis 12. I've got no time for it today. Genesis 12. And you see the, uh, Abraham is asleep. And through the carcasses, which was a covenant that they made, the, the brazier and the flame or whatever goes through. It is the Father and the Son going through. And they cut covenant for Abraham. This one was a covenant between the God and the people. Remember the sprinkling was on the people. Remember last week? That Jay talked about it. It was a covenant here. Not good because they could never keep the covenant. They thought, but they can't. Anyway, and then we come to this one here. And we say again that this is a covenant between who? Jesus and Gideon. Yay. No. What is it? It's a covenant between the Father and the Son. It is a covenant on our behalf. It's not with us. It's for us. It has nothing to do with your behavior. So this one, and most of the Old Testament is about this particular one, has nothing to do with you. Do we rip the Old Testament out? No, because we can learn about the kingdom of God, about worship, about tithing, and all these things we can learn about, but it's not our covenants. It never was, never will. So don't read it into, oh, I'm going to be in this covenant because it's all the kind of law. No, you're never under the law. You will never will be under the law because we'll leave it, your covenant is Israel's covenant. You are now under a new law. And Jesus says, now a new commandment I give you to love one another. As I have loved you, now you love one another. That's the only commandment Jesus gives us and all the other things that he talks about. Anyway, very quickly, I want you to see what, well, how important it is because you can miss it because you can think like, wow, this, all this covenant is all for me. No, nothing to do with you. You get drafted here at the end in Romans 11, and then Cornelius, they get into this thing. Finally, the Gentiles also can be grafted into the root, which is is, uh, Israel. And of course, that government would change my life. I always thought that somehow, because I read the Old Testament, somehow the new covenant was still with me. If I keep my bargain, if I'm a good little boy, he'll bless me. If I'm not, I will be cursed. I was still in my life, at the end of my master's. It was only at the end of my master's of theology, at the end of it, when I did a thing on it, I found out. I think, like, Gideon, where have you been? I know. But I think many people are think this. I see so much confusion, so much double dutch in people's lives, in the pulpits of being priests right now. Old stuff, new stuff, all mixed together, and it doesn't really work. It is not how God has done it. Okay. Now, I'm going to be a little bit lame because I've got, I've got, uh, I've got a, I'm preaching this morning and tonight, but I want you to lean in today because this changed my life. This particular one I'm talking about today completely changed my life, and tonight also. This morning I want to talk about living from innocence. Tonight I want to talk about you are perfect. Now it's related, of course, the whole grace message is related, but I want you to lean into this particular one because it absolutely changed my life, and it will also change your life. The way to understand this from the beginning, and again, some of you have listened to this before. I'm so sorry. I'll do it again because we want to really build a foundation, remember? A foundation of understanding new covenant grace in the Bible. Some of you are new to this. Some of you from other churches have never heard this before. So you've got to make sure that we lay the foundation of this stuff like we're doing in the conference. And now we continue to do for the next five weeks. Amen? <coughs> a human being is a spirit and has a soul, a mind, will, and emotions. And lives in a body, an earth suit. But you are a spirit. You are a spirit. As Christians, we are a born-again spirit. That's who we are. But we have a soul. We have mind and emotions and things like this. And the soul is like a mirror. It can basically reflect anything you do. It can be really good because you reflect good things. Or it can really be bad because you reflect bad things. Like a a mirror. Some people say soul is like your personality. 
which is fine. And then it's your body. It's just your earth suit. It's just flesh. It's got no moral compass at all. It's just flesh. Right? Very important. It says that there's one Thessalonian that's in Dutch, one Thessalonian 1 Thessalonians 5, vers 23 tot 24, alstublieft vanmorgen. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, body and soul be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this in the Passion. May the God of peace, of shalom and harmony, I've got to put it in there, don't you? I didn't put it in there, it's the Bible. But in there, set you apart. <coughs> Sanctification means either setting apart, you are sanctified, means either you are holy or it means to be sanctified, is to be set apart uh, for God that your entire being, spirit, soul, and body may be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Now, one of the great things about Christianity is that we have been already sanctified by Jesus Christ through the finished work of the cross. We're sanctified once for all in our spirit. Our spirit is our sonship. Our spirit is how God communicates with us. He doesn't communicate with with your body. Now, he uses your brains, but it's really the mind of Christ. He really deals with your spirit. And so the thing is, though, we are sanctified once and for all, but then we are being sanctified in our soul, in our minds, aligning ourselves to our born-again reality of perfection already in Christ. So there's two things going on at the same time. In the spirit, you are completely sanctified once for all. You're as holy as you're ever going to be because you're born from God who is 100% holy. So you're 100% holy, beautiful, perfect, right? But then here on the other side, you are being sanctified. There's a process of discipleship in your mind, your emotions and things like this. And even your body, make sure that they're led by the Holy Spirit. You do, don't do dumb things and stuff like that. So there's a discipleship in your body, in this way, right? And so in Romans 12, you see that this being transformed by the renewing of your mind is part of this process because your mind gets basically aligned to the mind of Christ, which actually already is in, your Holy, in the Holy Spirit. Now, what I want you to see today, is one of the things I want you to say today, that as, as, as to your sonship, as to your spirit, as to you who you really are, it's a done deal. You are completely sanctified, holy, blameless, perfect, forever. And then in your mind and your soul and your body is not yet redeemed. After you became a Christian, you got born again, you still have the same anxious thoughts, possibly, unless God did a quick work in your life. They're still the same. If you can't do math, you still can't do math the next day. You know, you're certainly not superhuman, certainly. Oh, I can do math very well now. No, no, it doesn't work this way. The next day, you're still the same because you can still, even the trauma, some of the things of the past are still there because God, in the spirit, you're renewed, but in the mind, in the soul, you haven't been completely healed yet or completely being sanctified yet in this way. Amen? Okay. Now, there's a lot of confusion around Christians in this regard. What actually really happened to your newborn spirit? What really happens as God says you become a new creation? What does that mean? Because you receive this by the Holy Spirit. You are born from above, from incorruptible seed. It's absolutely beautiful. And I'll talk about this in a second. First of all, Ephesians 1 to 4. Actually, I want you to stand for this. We can read this together, a bit of fun together. Get you out of your seat again. Ephesians 1, 4 to 6. Let's do it together nice and loud. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. 
through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to the one he loves. And we continue in the Passion, because I really like what it says here. There we go. And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. You may be seated. With an unstained innocence. This is just amazing that God saw us before the foundation of the world. He said before the foundation of the universe. Way back there. He saw us already in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away, the sin, takes away the sin of the world. This is so amazing, right? It's amazing grace. He already did. Before that, he decided that Jesus would go to a cross. He would forgive the world. And you can step into eternal life, into sonship, into the bride of Christ. And then we go in eternity. And here, Bob's your uncle. Right? Amazing thing. Now, I want to say something. There's still some confusion. There's still some confusion in the area. Is what Jesus has done for us, is this only positionally or intrinsically also? Is it only a positional thing to be in Christ? We are a new creation and in Christ we have this thing. Or is it intrinsically something actually happened inside of you? Something actually changed? Well, I, I want to explain this by a little example that I can see because I, I believe that many Christians they suffer from something I called Jesus glasses syndrome <laughs> Jesus glasses syndrome so what many Christians believe is that basically God looks at us through the glasses of Jesus as holy and perfect and righteous positionally right but then he takes your glasses off ah! What happened to my son? What happened to my daughter? You are so ugly. You're so full of sin. It's so bad. See, is that what God has done? You get glasses on too. Is that what God has done in our lives? We can be so confused. Do you know what I mean? So positionally, you think, I am absolutely, oh, gee, oh thank you. Gee, oh, Lord, look, all these beautiful people. In Jesus, you are gorgeous, perfect, innocent, beautiful forever. But I take the glasses off, and then like the Old Testament says, our righteousness is like filthy rags before the Lord. You are such a sinner. And then we think, because we read the Bible, and we know our thoughts, he's right. I'm such a sinner. I know I'm positionally saved because Jesus saved me. He told me he saved me, but... I know my thoughts. I know the mistakes I make like every day. How is this possible? It must be only positional in this way. Is this correct? No. Well, five people think that's not correct. <laughs> that's really good. Five people have been around for a long time. <laughs> no, this is not correct. <clears throat> Let's go back to Genesis 2.25. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. <laughs> the reason why is because they lived, they lived in innocence. They lived in innocence. No guilt, no shame, just bliss. Perfection in the Garden of Eden. 
And then straight after this, the next chapter, next chapter after they fall, after they are disobedient with God, something has happened because now God says, where are you, Adam? And Eve, but Eve is probably hiding behind Adam, I don't know. Where are you, Adam? Of course he knows where Adam is, right? Where are you, Adam? And Adam says, hey, I heard you in the garden, because they were always talking to each other every day. I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid, so I hid. And then God says these amazing words. Who told you that you were naked? Did you by chance eat from the tree that I told you not to eat from? I told you that if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of the good of evil... You will surely die. You will die spiritually. You will be disconnected from God. And that's exactly what happened. They were cut off from the life of God. They were sent out out of Eden into the world. And literally all hell breaks loose. And they come under the authority of the other fallen one. In the earth it's called the devil. And his angels. And they receive that death, that 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 life, that that the, the, the life of devil is death. Spiritual death, the nature of death, lies and destruction. And the whole human race gets infected by this virus. It's called the sinful nature. Wasn't there before. But now through their disobedience, this root has been established in humanity and now everyone who gets born has still the same root and only Jesus Christ on the cross did he reverse this sin thing this penalty this sin nature only on the cross did he reverse the curse this whole thing that's why the Bible that's why the cross is so important in our lives amen everything changed at the cross You have to understand that Jesus was innocent. He was the Lamb of God. Last week we heard about this beautiful teacher of Chad about the Lamb for one, Lamb for the family, Lamb, 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 Lamb. Till we get for the Lamb of God. A Lamb is presented by innocent. Jesus was completely innocent. He never sinned. He was always right. He was always perfect. And that's why he could take our place as sacrifice on the cross. 1 Peter 3.18, for the Messiah also suffered for our sins once for all, an innocent person for the guilty. We were guilty. He was innocent, that he could bring us to God. He was put to death in the mortal body, but he was brought to life by the Holy Spirit. Come on, get to have a good amen. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then John, later on, the John the Baptist, which is the last prophet of the Old Testament, he then sees Jesus coming when he was baptizing people, and he sees Jesus coming and says, whoa, There, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sin of the world. See, under the old covenant, we talked about last week a little bit. Under the old covenant, we had the Israelites, this covenant, not your covenant, their covenant. Israel, the way to be forgiven once a year, Yom Kippur, the great day of atonement, two two goats or lamb, uh, one was cut and the blood was sprinkled and all the stuff inside the holy place once a year into the holy of holy, sorry. But the other scapegoat uh, became a sin of the whole, whole community for a year, all on the scapegoat, was kicked into the desert, he died. And so they talked about the sin was taken away. But sin was never atoned for. It was never, sorry, t- t- sin was covered, not taken away. The sin was covered for another year. 
But it says in the Bible that uh, blood of bulls and goats cannot take sin, cover, take, take sin away, sorry, take sin away. It can only cover sin for another year. But we need to understand that Jesus didn't just cover our sin. Jesus came to take it away. He take it away once for all. Come on. I love the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.21. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. For God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, innocent, to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right? One of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. Now, can I note that Jesus did not become sin by sinning. Jesus never sinned. He was always holy. But there was a gift of sinfulness, the gift of the sin nature, if you like, to Jesus. So God says, I saw the sin nature right here. No, that's it. Right here. That's new, new covenant. Right here, I see the sin thing that happened with Adam. The sin nature was established. The whole route into the whole history of the world. Oh, here, only covered. Okay, we can go. Here, covered. Somebody has to pay for this thing. Hey! Jesus, he is the only innocent one. He is the only one who is worthy. He will open the scroll. He will take the sin nature of the world upon himself. He'll become sin for us that the world can be freed from the sin. He paid for it all. Not just for you Christians. For everybody. I'm not talking about universalism, but it is a universal work. Once for all. Once for all. One time for all people. Right? But by faith we step into it, right? We understand that. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't think what I'm not saying or whatever like that in this way. The continuation. I'm just taking a little break. Bless you. I get so excited about this. It's amazing. Isn't it? See, I really believe there's a little bit different than some theologians think. And if it's heresy, then, I don't know, do something. Uh, so the thing is, though, I believe that when he says the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, I don't believe it's the sins of the world. It says the sin of the world see he comes and deals with the root where all the sinning of people comes from is the root when the root is taken out there's no longer any sinning is there so that's what he's done in the world Dejel, people should be standing on chairs right now but i don't think they do yeah thank you jesus somebody stands on a chair come on give it up jesus Come on, this is good news. This is amazing grace. What he has done for us is absolutely extraordinary, is absolutely abased. So the one who had no sin, who was absolutely blameless, who was perfect, he was innocent, he becomes sin for us that in him we can become the righteousness of God. This is at the core of the Christian faith. Now righteousness comes from the word dikaios. Dikaios, right? The Greek word, I would say dikaios. Dikaios. Dikaios is, right? It means, basically, it means righteousness and it means innocence. It's righteousness, it's justification. Now, this word is used 200 times in the New Testament. Righteousness and justification, 200 times in the New Testament. This means much more than forgiveness, Dikaios, justification, actually means innocence. It actually means justification just as if I had never sinned. Just as if nothing ever happened that I worked perfectly, holy, all my life, just like Jesus did. 
That's what it means. It's a legal term that Paul uses in particularly in Romans. A few years ago, I did a whole series on Romans. And the thing is, though, that's what he does. And I want to give an example of this right now about this whole situation. You understand what's going on here. So think like there's a court case happening. And a man is accused of a terrible crime. Right? And he is guilty. The court, the case is going. And man, he's obvious. He, is to- he abused the person or whatever they did. And the thing is, though, he is absolutely guilty. But before the, the judge gives a sentence, the judge asks the family, is there anything else that you want more of this person? Then the family say, oh, thank you so much, Your Honor. The trial has gone very well. Thank you. Justice has been served. He has been found guilty. But we actually want to forgive him and go no further with the trial. Then the judge will say, okay, he'll slam the gavel, and he will say, your sins are forgiven. Now, this is really good news. This is really good news. And most Christians think that this is what happened when you become a Christian, that you are forgiven your sin, and that you are a forgiven sinner. But there's a problem because this man will walk out of the court, court case, court, uh, whatever it's called. He'll go, I think he goes to the cameras, you know. Hey, you actually are a sinner. You're forgiven. Aren't you glad you're forgiven? And he will say, I'm so glad I'm forgiven. But we know what you did. You're still a sinner. You're still wrong. You're still a piece of whatever, you know. But you are forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. I am a forgiven sinner. Now, is this the gospel? It sounds good. Okay, then we go to scenario a little bit different. Now we go in the court case, and the court case is proceeding, and after a while, it's very obvious he was not even in the country. He was in another country. He is absolutely innocent. He was not even there. What will the judge do? He will slam the gavel and say, justified, which means innocent. And now the man walks out of the court, yeah, courthouse, not a forgiven sinner, with an innocent man because he is innocent now this is new covenant theology this is new covenant theology in this way are you blessed i am blessed come on so good new covenant righteousness is not just forgiveness of sins that was the bump in the road it is a powerful declaration of our innocence Man, if you really get this, you would again stand on the chest. I mean, this is like such good news. And maybe, some of, maybe all of you already know, say, yeah, I know that. So good. But even if you know this, wouldn't you fall right there on the cross of Christ and say, Jesus, it's all about you. What you've made me is just absolutely insane. It's just unbelievable what Jesus has done for us. See, you were a sinner before. Yes, you had the, the nature still, right? You had, he paid for it. But you're still a part of the world. You're still part of Adam. And then you say, Jesus, come into my life. Set me free. I receive you. At that moment, what happens is you go from being a sinner. And for one second, you are a sinner that is forgiven sinner. And you step into innocence, righteousness, holiness, being a saint for all your days. And for all eternity. So we, I want you to know for sure, I make sure this house knows about this. People still say to me, oh yeah, I'm just a forgiven sinner. You know. No, you're not. In your spirit, you are absolutely saint, whole, 
perfect, innocent in your thing. Once you were a sinner somewhere in the past, but no longer is this your reality. Romans 5.1, he says, Therefore, since we've been justified, made innocent through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace, and now we stand in this way. I tell you, when you really know how innocent you are, it will change your life. Peace will come. Shalom will come into your life. Amazing, isn't it? See, we become what he was. He was perfect, innocent. We become that. He became what we were. Guilty, sinner. This is beautiful exchange that happened. That's why we celebrate communion. That's why I do this every day. I would like to do it 10 times every day. Just to even thank him next to the power that it releases, but just to thank him for the wonderful exchange in my life. He is absolutely awesome. I'll say it again like this. Jesus becomes, Jesus becomes me so I can become him. Serious. And so he becomes sin so I can become sinless. The exchange. He lays down his divine nature so I can pick it up. That's like, really? Yes, that's really like this. My son, what a gift. What a deal. And what we were in Genesis 2 before the fall, innocent, righteous, no shame, no guilt, we become again through Jesus Christ in the new covenant. As a son and a daughter, completely blameless, innocent forever. Hebrews 10, for by one sacrifice, he's made you perfect forever. Those who are being made holy. I love this actually in the Passion. By one sacrifice, one perfect sacrifice, Jesus made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. Actually, in the Hebrews 14 one, that, that in NIV, you can see the whole thing of perfect forever, which is your spirit. And you see being made holy. So the sanctification still of being made holy, which is your soul and your mind. Because you know the sin, right? So you've got you to gotta actually live with this dichotomy. It's a good dichotomy, but you actually got to live with that. See, when I, when I make a mistake, when I kick the, kick the cat. Well, what else do you want me to say? It's not a counseling session, is it now? You want to know what I do, do you? No, you don't. So, so the thing is, so what, when I have the cat, so what I do, and it's also great in, um, where's Karen, somewhere over there, there, um, is, is what you have in counseling, amazing counseling. Because this is free, just for a moment, uh, in the counseling. So what happens is, if you know how innocent you are as in your person, then any issues you have are in your soul and your mind, and you can say, like here, it's like, like here. It's, it, it's in you, but it's actually here. This is an issue that I'm dealing with, but it's not you. It's an issue you have, pain, dumb things you did, somebody hit you, I don't know, whatever. It's here. But I myself, I'm still awesome. I'm still innocent. I'm still forgiven. I'm still righteous. I'm still the bride of Christ. The whole time. It never changes by my behavior, good or bad. Right? So I want you to see this. And that's how I often see it. Say, if I do something dumb, say, Lord, I'm really sorry. I don't ask forgiveness. He's already forgiven me. What are you talking about? But I do say, sorry, this is dumb what I did. I'm your son. I'm in the spirit. I'm your son, whatever. I did this thing. This is dumb. I'm sorry. It's dumb. But it's here. It's not here. Because I am awesome. I am innocent. I am righteous. Now, again, this is also not cheap grace. Because some people say, oh, I can do anything I like. Well, in some, in some ways you can. But what an embarrassment you would be to the gospel. What an embarrass, embarrassing son and daughter you would be. And I'll tell you something else. God will discipline you. Or the people around you. They'll kick you. Ooh, what are you doing? Don't use it as, as, as some kind of a greasy grace type thing. But also don't then say what grace is is you can't just denounce, denounce what grace actually is 
because this is absolutely wonderful. So, we're not totally done yet, almost. I told you it was a little bit later, almost done. The band can come up if you want to. Not our finish, but you can do it like it. We're almost done. Okay. <laughs> All time. So, the thing... <laughs> So the sin, guys, I want you to see, the sin is not discovered. Jesus, God doesn't look to you with the glasses. I want you to see this glass is so dumb. I know I look like Elton John. I want you to know that it's like this. I know. But I want to make sure you never forget what Gideon did. Did anybody take a photo of me yet? Yay. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So the, the thing I want you not to forget that it's not that God sees you through these glasses, but you are a rotten sinner without Jesus. You are not. You have been made whole inside. A new hard drive was put into your spirit. The old was cut out. The new has put in. You are a new creation. And John says, one John says, in that spirit, you cannot sin. Of course not. You're connected with Christ. You're one with Christ, the Bible says. You cannot do anything. You can sin in your body. You can sin with your mind. You can sin with the emotions. But you cannot sin in who you really are. And if you start knowing that and you discover who you really are, that will then empower you to have ammunition to all the stuff that you do do in your mind that is still not being renewed, those sinful thoughts or whatever you do. And then the Bible says, you need to submit this to Christ take captive those thoughts and make them obedience to Christ who's in you who's one with you that's how it works so you shouldn't feel bad about it if you do something dumb but it shouldn't completely annihilate you you just say okay there's an issue here that's really dumb and then you deal with the issue but you're still awesome you never came into the gospel by behaving well it's only because of Jesus you can never do. You can never do. But you will also not come out of the gospel by behaving bad. And you know what, you know what actually happens? When you, when you really get this, you know what actually really happens? Is you become so sun conscious and no more sin worry conscious. That it will empower you for life. And you will actually stop the addiction and you'll actually stop the things and you'll come into a freedom that you've never experienced in your life it's a dna transfer that we've had guys it's a dna transfer a new hard drive now quickly why is it so important that we understand this now we have to understand sonship anyway one of the main things for me anyway to understand this is you and i were destined to feel good to feel clean because if you feel like a sinner and the things you do, do or don't even do, I don't pray enough, I don't believe, even those things, if you have that all the time, then you'll be stuck in that realm of your life. That's who you are. But we were always destined to feel like God. God feels this way. He feels good about himself. And he is clean and holy and awesome. But his sons and his daughters, what, they're suddenly not awesome? No, 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 no. They're very awesome too here. They're clean. They're beautiful also. Yes, there's some things that niggle in your mind. There's the three things. The flesh, even the body, the flesh, that one stuff. Don't go after it. I want to eat too much. Well, don't eat too much. I want to have sex with somebody else. Well, don't do it. It's your body craving things. But to say no, that's why we have to walk in the spirit, Paul says, and not gratify the flesh. That's just a myth. But it's nothing to do with who you are. You are a spirit and you are born again. You are son and daughter of God. And the more you know this, the more you will walk uprightly, the more you will walk 
righteously in your life. It's so empowering. See, if you think, if you really think this, that God sees you with this, but here, ah, I feel like a rotten sinner, but thank you, Jesus, that you saved me. If you feel that way, then you will always live that way. Then you feel bad about yourself, you feel bad about yourself, you see the seed of things, and you will live that way. And God does not want you to live that way. His Paul says, put to death the things of the flesh, the things of the world, the things of the enemy that comes at you. I want to make sure that you are secure in who you are, secure in your sonship in this way. I'm almost done. It's just too important, guys. It's just too important. I mean, last week, Chad preached one hour on Sunday morning, so that's me. I'm only half an hour right now. I'll tell you what happens otherwise. Otherwise, you get into a performance trap. And you start to perform to feel good. Worse, because you're meant to live by innocence, in innocence, what you'll do is you try to find innocence in other places. In your work, in other relationships, addictions. You start to do stuff to find this thing. But God says, you already have this thing. I am your thing. I have made you beautiful and righteous and perfect forever. And this is how you reign in life. Two more scriptures and we're done. Romans 5.17, for if by the trespass of one man, Adam, death reigned throughout the, the one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through this one man, Jesus Christ? It is so beautiful. Come on, you are righteous. You are innocent. Tell your neighbor, you are innocent if you're a Christian. You are innocent. You are righteous. So good. I want you all to stand right now. This is the last scripture. It's a long one. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. But I want you to read it with me kind of slow. No, actually, I'm going to read it to you. Just read along because otherwise I want to have some nuances here. This is the gospel. Look at this, guys, and then we're done. Jesus, he is the divine portrait and the true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. For through the Son, everything was created, both in the heavenly realms and on earth, all that is seen and that is unseen, every seat of power, every realm of government, principality and authority. It was all created through Jesus Christ and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made. And now everything finds completion in Him. I don't know about you. When I read this, I fall in love with Jesus even more. Every day I read this, man, you fall in love with Jesus more and more. He is the head of His body, the church, which is the church. And since He is the beginning and the firstborn heir in the resurrection, He is the most exalted one holding first place in everything. Come on, Jesus is first. For God is satisfied to have his fullness dwelling in Christ. I mean, it's, it's insane. And by the blood of His cross, everything, everything, everybody say everything, everything in heaven and on earth is brought back to Himself, back to its original intent. Genesis 2 and 1, restored to innocence Again, let's say it together. Restored 
to innocence again. Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadow of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you. Come on, back to himself. Are you ready, worship team? We're going to worship in a moment. I mean, how can you not worship for this? He released his supernatural peace to you. Shalom through the sacrifice of his own body as a sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. He took us and now we are seated in heavenly places with him. Oh, so good. And now there is nothing. Everybody say nothing. 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 Nothing that stands between you and Father God for He sees you as holy and flawless and restored and not only through the glasses but in reality your spirit is beautiful and powerful and your your soul and your body will come into alignment as we go. Amen? Come on, let's worship Him. He's worthy of all glory. He did it. He did it. It's all about Him, not about you. It's about Him. Come on, give praise.